Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, hello and welcome to worship. Uh, for those of you that I haven't met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And whether this is your first time to worship with us at Kindred or whether you've been a, a member here for a long time or anything in between, I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. Uh, our scripture is from Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 35. And it says this. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, uh, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? And Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold along with his wife and children and everything he had and that the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down and kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant and released him and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins and he grabbed him around the throat and he said, pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, Be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that had happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. Jesus says, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, recently I was uh, listening to this podcast. I was uh, driving into to work and it was an interview with this professor of American history. And it was kind of interesting because this American history professor was sort of reflecting on how the, the time that we're living through now compares to previous times in, in U.S. history. And one of the things he said really uh, stood out to me. He said, you know, uh, throughout the history of this country, we have almost always had a good bit of division. You know, we've almost always had lots of disagreement going on between different social groups, between different political parties, and it's not uncommon for that disagreement to, to become pretty hostile. He said, but you know, in the, in the past, what we've seen is that typically, after a national crisis of some kind, you know, after a Pearl Harbor, after a, a 9-11, what we see is Americans tend to have this ability to kind of set some of those divisions aside, to set some of that hostility aside and, and come together in a spirit of national unity in response to crisis. And so this professor was reflecting and saying when the, the COVID pandemic first hit and, and we all kind of entered into this, this crisis mode, he says, you know, historically, I was thinking, well, uh, once again, Americans are going to kind of come together and, and there's going to be a sense of national unity, like, like we're all in this together. And, and he said, but that's not what we've seen. 
He said, apparently, uh, people in this society are carrying so much hate and so much resentment that even a crisis like this, that in previous times probably would have brought people together, what we've seen is that in many ways, this latest crisis has actually wedged people further apart. It's wedged people further apart. Uh, Well, that stood out to me as a, a sad reminder of just how much hate we have in our society. I mean, I think we all know this, but according to this professor, at least, these are like historic levels of, of vitriol and, and resentment that, that we're seeing and, and feeling. Uh, now, that's kind of disheartening to think about in its own right, um, but here's what bothers me more than anything, and, and I hope that this bothers you as well, and that is that as far as I can tell, uh, we Christians in this culture uh, looking around at us, you know, we, we tend to be just as hateful as anybody. And in, in many cases, I see Christians who seem even more hateful than anybody. And the reason that that bothers me so much is because that's the exact opposite of how it should be, right? Um, I mean, our, our whole calling as the church is to show the world a different way, a better way. Our whole calling is to be people of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. I mean, that's what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of one of Jesus's most famous sermons ever, Jesus is up on top of a mountain and he's surrounded by a whole bunch of his followers. And one of the things that he says to them at the beginning of, of his most famous sermon is he looks at his followers and he says, you are the light of the world. And he says, let your light shine so that other people will see all this good that you're doing in the world. And then those people will give praise and and they will give thanks to your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world, Jesus says to us. And then a little later in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul, who was like one of the early church leaders, uh, one of the more prominent ones, and he's writing this letter to some of the very first Christians ever. And one of the things he says to them is he says, you, church... You are the body of Christ. And each and every one of you is a member of the body. What does that mean? Well, it means God says to us Christians, I've got a special job for you. I've got a special mission for you. God says to us, I'm going to show the world what the way of Jesus looks like through you. I'm going to show this world love and mercy and grace and forgiveness through you, Jesus says to the church. God says to the church. So the question is, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Well, uh, when, when we look around and we see that Christians are just as hateful as anybody, just as resentful as anybody, just as unforgiving as anybody, I would say we're not doing too great with this. right? And to make this a little more personal, and sorry in advance, you know, part of my job is to, to push you sometimes. How are you doing with this? How are you doing with showing the world a a better way? How are you doing with showing the world the way of Jesus? Since I raised the question, I'll go first and I'll be honest. I got a long way to go with this, if I'm honest about it. You know, I have a hard time forgiving the jerk who cut me off in traffic this morning, much less the, the politicians who are trying to restrict the voting rights of people that I care about much less uh, certain types of Christians who are telling people that I love and care about that they don't belong in church or that God doesn't love them, much less people like Vladimir Putin. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on because there's a whole lot of people that I'm not doing a great job of forgiving. 
There's a whole lot of people that I'm harboring a lot of ill will and, and resentment towards if I'm honest. I'd love to say I'm a shining example, but I'm not. I'll admit that when it comes to showing the world a, a different way, the, the way of Jesus, I've got a long way to go. And I'm really not here to point fingers, but my guess would be that many of you would say that you've got a long way to go with this as well. And I think one of the reasons that we have a long way to go with this is because loving our enemies and practicing forgiveness, as we all know, this is really, really hard. And it's hard because it's deeply countercultural. I mean, not many people are doing this, right? And it's, it's also hard because it's like almost unnatural. You know, if you, if you spent time with uh, little kids, then you know we don't exactly show up in this world ready to forgive. This is not like an innate inclination that we have. Forgiveness is something we have to be taught. It's something we have to learn. It's, it's something we have to practice a lot because it's, it's hard. And yet forgiveness is so, so important, not just for our calling as Christians, but it's even important for our own well-being. I mean, this is something we often forget. Uh, but, you know, in, in the moment, it can feel really good to hate, which I think is, is why we do it. You know, as long as I'm hating you, then I'm focused on how wrong you are and how right I am by comparison. And, and temporarily, that, that can feel good. But over time, all hate really does is it just weighs us down. And hate fills us with negativity. And hate brings out the worst in us, and it brings out the worst in other people, too. That's why when uh, Martin Luther King was talking about hate, one of the things he said was that hate is too great a burden to bear. But we often forget that hate is a burden, but it is, and it's too great to bear. You know, I just wonder in this time when we Americans are more anxious than ever and we're more depressed than ever, in this time when we're apparently drinking more alcohol than, than ever, in this time when despite being one of the wealthiest countries on earth, we're more dissatisfied with our lives than ever. I, I just wonder how much of all of that is because of how much hate we're carrying in our hearts and, and how little we're practicing forgiveness towards each other. My, my, my point with all of this is that for all of these reasons, uh, for forgiveness is, is so important, but as we all know, it's also really, really hard. Well, as it turns out, uh, Jesus is not unsympathetic with our struggle over this. Jesus knows how hard forgiveness is for us, but Jesus also knows how important it is, not just for us, but for this world as well. And for that reason, Jesus teaches us that it is absolutely vital that we pray about this. And Jesus even goes a step further, and Jesus teaches us specifically how to pray about forgiveness. So that's really what I want to explore with you today. How does Jesus teach us to pray about forgiveness? And how does praying the way Jesus teaches us to, how does that help us actually to get better at forgiveness? Uh, so we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to focus on the fourth line of the Lord's Prayer. But a uh, real quick background to, to catch you up if you haven't been with us or, or to refresh your memory. Uh, so one day Jesus was hanging out with his disciples, and one of the disciples blurts out this question that everybody was thinking and that some of us have found ourselves thinking at times as well. The disciple says, look, Jesus, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I'm not exactly sure how to, to pray. I'm not 100% sure I'm doing it right. And uh, so he says, Jesus, would you teach us? Would you teach us how to pray? And in response, Jesus gives us this prayer that we now call the Lord's Prayer. And this is a, a prayer that Jesus wants us to <clears throat> learn by heart. 
and practice praying verbatim, but this is also a prayer that can function as like a template and a, a guide for our other prayers in, in our own words that we pray. So we're in the sermon series right now where we're working through the Lord's Prayer line by line, <clears throat> and for each line, we're thinking about what does this mean and how does this help us to, to pray? How does this teach us how to pray? So if you haven't been with us in this series, I'd encourage you to go back on the podcast and, and listen to those sermons or, or pull up the worship videos and, and catch up. Uh, but today we're moving to the fourth line. And Jesus says, pray this. Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's a lot uh, packed into this line, and I want to try to tease out a few of the, the implications uh, for us here. Um, but first, I want to start by just um, talking about a, a couple of the words that Jesus uses in this line of the prayer. Uh, so to start, um, I want to say a word about uh, trespasses. Now, I know that some of you are probably coming from a church background where when you learn the Lord's Prayer, uh, you weren't taught to say, forgive us our trespasses. You might have been taught to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, that's just a different translation of the same word that Jesus uses when he teaches the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, some of you are coming from a church background where maybe you were taught to say in the Lord's Prayer, not forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts, but you might have been taught to say, forgive us our sins uh, uh, as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, that, that word sin is the word that Jesus uses when he teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Uh, and I don't want us to get bogged down in the, the word variations here because uh, all of these words, trespass, debt, sin, uh, they're all driving at the same thing. That They're naming that a wrong has been done and that wrong is harmful. There's a wrong that's been done, the wrong is harmful. And so like a, a super literal but kind of awkward, clunky translation uh, of this line of the prayer could be to say, uh, forgive us our harmful wrongs as we forgive those who have harmfully wronged us. Um, forgive us our harmful wrongs as we forgive those who have harmfully wronged us. That, that's kind of what we're, what we're getting at here. Uh, then I want to say a, a quick word about uh, forgiveness itself. What does Jesus mean when he says forgiveness uh, here? There's a lot of misunderstanding uh, about this, and Jesus' teaching on forgiveness has, has unfortunately been misapplied in a lot of different situations. Uh, does this mean when we talk about forgiveness that uh, we have to completely forget that any wrong has been done? Um, no. When we talk about forgiveness, does it mean that there are no consequences or there should be no consequences for the wrongdoer? Are we saying that there's no accountability for wrongdoers? Uh, are we saying that in the name of forgiveness, we've got to allow abusers to continue to be abusive? No, that, that's not what any of this means. And, and I want to be clear uh, about that. Um, in the original Greek, uh, the word that Jesus uses for forgiveness here is Afiemi. That's the Greek word. Afiemi. It's kind of fun to say. So practice uh, saying it out loud if you want to. Afiemi. Well, on a literal level, what Afiemi means is to release, to let go. And so for Christians, when we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about releasing. We're talking about letting go. And specifically, we're talking about letting go of resentment. We're talking about letting go of a desire for vengeance. We're talking about letting go of vitriol. We're talking about, most importantly, letting go 
of hate. Letting go of hate. That way, having let go of all of that stuff, we can treat the wrongdoer with genuine love. That's what forgiveness is all about for us as Christians. Letting go of hate so that we can treat the wrongdoer with genuine love. And the reason that we approach forgiveness in this way, the reason that we understand forgiveness in in this particular way, is because this is the kind of forgiveness that we see God doing. Uh, In fact, this is the kind of forgiveness that God shows to each and every one of us. So with all of that in mind, uh, let's take a look at how Jesus teaches us to, to pray about forgiveness. Now, you may have noticed that there are actually two parts to this line. So we'll start with the first part. Uh, You know, when we think about forgiveness or pray about forgiveness, uh, our temptation oftentimes is to uh, quickly focus on other people and the wrongs that have been done to us and our need to to forgive other people. But Jesus says, well, slow down. Uh, First, when you're praying about forgiveness, uh, start with yourself. Uh, Start by taking an honest look in the proverbial mirror and spend a little time confessing your own need for forgiveness from God. Forgive us, Jesus says. Forgive us our trespasses. I wonder how often do you spend time in prayer acknowledging your need for forgiveness from God? I'll be honest about this. I'm not too good at this, you know. If I'm honest, my prayers tend to focus a lot on my needs and my concerns and, and my feelings. And uh, on a good day, you know, I'll spend time thanking God for the, the blessings that God has given me, but, but acknowledging my sins and really naming the ways that I've been harmful and naming the ways that I've fallen short. I mean, I am an Enneagram 3. If any of you are, are Enneagram uh, people, I tend to be a perfectionist in a lot of different ways. I, I really try to put my best foot forward uh, as often as I can. So this is hard for me. And regardless of your Enneagram number and regardless of your personality type, I'm guessing that, that this is not easy for many of you uh, either. But that's why Jesus says, I know this is hard. That's why I'm giving you these words to pray, these words that you probably wouldn't have come up with on your own. And Jesus says, this is why I'm telling you to practice praying in this way. Jesus knows that we need practice. So start here, Jesus says. Acknowledge your own need for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses. Well, then moving to the the second part of this line, Jesus says, after you've acknowledged your need for forgiveness, after you've acknowledged the fact that you are a forgiven person, then you can move to think about other people. And in fact, Jesus goes so far as to create this link. Jesus creates a link between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of other people. That's why Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses as we, as we uh, forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, there are some kinds of Christians who have interpreted this to mean that like very literally God will not forgive our sins if we don't first forgive others. Um, for a variety of reasons, I don't think that holds up theologically, that interpretation. Um, I don't think that Jesus is trying to put a condition on, on God's forgiveness of us here uh, in that literal sense. Uh, but I do think 
that Jesus is pointing out how ridiculous it would be and how hypocritical it would be for us to go around receiving all of this forgiveness from God, this radical forgiveness from God for all the ways we've fallen short, and then turn around and not offer forgiveness to others. I mean, how hypocritical is that? That we would have all this forgiveness from God coming into our hearts, coming into to our lives, and then not passing through us out to others. There's a real spiritual danger here that Jesus is pointing out to us. And here's an illustration of this. Um, I almost cut this from the sermon because this is pretty gross. And so apologies in advance if, if this is too much, if this uh, offends you. But uh, I think it makes the point. You know, I'm not a doctor, uh, obviously, but there is a medical condition and there's a, a medical term for when stuff is coming into you, but it's not going through you. There, there's a, a medical term for when stuff is going into you, but then it stops and it gets stuck and it, it doesn't pass out of you, uh, and the, the medical condition, the term I'm referring to is constipation. Uh, constipation, I told you this was gonna be gross, I apologize, but as we all know, there is medicine for that because when it happens, constipation is uncomfortable and it's just not right. You know, parents, if you've seen a baby who's constipated, you know it's not right. You know, that baby's face turns red and they're straining and sometimes they're crying, poor things. Uh, and as we all know, if constipation goes untreated uh, for a long time, it can be harmful. And so in this part of the prayer, Jesus is telling us, hey, don't be spiritually constipated. Don't be constipated when it comes to forgiveness. It's not right for God's forgiveness to be coming into us, but not passing through us. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't get backed up, Jesus says, but keep the forgiveness moving. Keep the forgiveness moving. Uh, I promise I'm done uh, talking about constipation now. Um, if you're new to Kindred, I'm not always this gross. I, I, I promise. Give me another chance. Um, well, uh, Jesus actually makes the, the same point in a much less gross way in this parable that we just heard a minute ago from Matthew chapter 18. And the parable goes basically like this. Uh, once upon a time, there is this servant and this servant has a mountain of debt. I mean, there's no way he's gonna be able to repay all of his debt, and yet his master uh, calls him in and demands to be repaid for all of this debt. And so the, the servant freaks out and he falls on his knees and, and he begs for mercy. And uh, the, the master, in a surprising twist, ends up having mercy, and the master forgives all of this servant's debt. Well, then that servant goes out and apparently he had loaned money to one of his fellow servants and he goes to collect his debt from this fellow servant and the fellow servant can't pay. And so does this servant show mercy in the way that he had been shown mercy? Does he forgive the, the fellow servant's debt in the way that his debt had been forgiven? No. In fact, he demands to be repaid and he throws the guy in prison until he can pay. Well, eventually the master hears about this and he's irate and he gets furious. Why? Because it's not right. It is so obviously not right that someone who has received such radical forgiveness would then withhold forgiveness from somebody else. Uh, the, the point with all of this is that as Christians, we know that we are forgiven. We are radically forgiven 
by God. So we need to be forgiving as well. We need to be forgiving since we have been forgiven. Um, it's not right for God's forgiveness to pass to us, but not through us, right? So, uh, so this is not easy, but it's important. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray about this over and over and over again. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I was thinking about this uh, this week. Um, it occurred to me that so about 65% of Americans identify as Christian. That means about two-thirds of our society would say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Can you imagine if those of us who identify as Christian, if we all took this prayer seriously? I mean, can you imagine what would happen if we actually committed ourselves to forgiving as we have been forgiven? You know, if we committed ourselves to releasing hate over and over and over again so that we could treat wrongdoers with love. Uh, can you imagine how much less hate there would be in our society right now? Can you imagine how much more love there would be? Can you imagine how much more hope we'd probably all be feeling? If we took this prayer seriously, we really could show the world a better way, right? We, we, we really could show the world that just because we disagree doesn't mean we have to hate each other. We could show the world that just because some wrong has been done, that doesn't mean that we have to hate. That, that just because we're angry, that doesn't mean that we have to hate because the way of Jesus, the way of forgiveness, it allows us to see even our enemies, even people who have done us wrong, even people who have hurt us, it allows us to still see those people through the eyes of love. It would make a radical difference in our society. Now, maybe that seems unrealistic, right? And maybe that seems naive. And certainly, we cannot control what the majority of Christians in this country choose to do. But we can control what we choose to do, right? We, we, we can control whether we're going to take this prayer seriously or not, whether we're going to practice forgiveness. And if we do that, who knows who around us might notice? Uh, who knows who around us might notice that we are as passionate as anybody but that we release hate so that we can continue to love. Who knows who might notice that, that we are as outspoken on the issues as anybody, but that we constantly release hate so that we can continue to love. Who knows who might notice that we get just as angry as anybody about injustice, but in doing that, we also constantly release hate so that we can continue to love. Maybe your coworkers would notice. Maybe your friends would notice. And maybe, just maybe you could give a little glimpse of the way of Jesus in your part of the world. At the very least, if we do this, we can lay down that burden of hate that is just too great for us to bear. So my challenge for you this week uh, is the same as the last few weeks. Um, pray the Lord's Prayer at least once a day, every day between now and Easter. Easter is April 17th. Um, it's super easy to do this. It takes less than 30 seconds. If you tried it in previous weeks and, and got out of the habit, pick up the habit again. I encourage you. It will make a difference in your prayer life. Uh, but this week in particular, uh, I would encourage you to spend some time thinking about your heart and thinking about, uh, are you harboring hatred towards a person? Are you harboring hatred towards a group? Maybe multiple people, maybe multiple groups. Uh, try to reflect on that 
And hold that in mind as you get to this fourth line of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, In closing, as we've done in in previous weeks, I'd invite us all to just say the Lord's Prayer out loud wherever we are. If you're not in a place where you can say it out loud, at least uh, pray along with us in your heart. You can find the words in the uh, video or, or podcast description here. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, uh, thanks again for tuning in today. A couple quick things here for you before you go. Uh, for those of you who are new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. Um, there's a, a link in the video description or in the podcast description that says connect. If you click on that, leave me some contact information. Uh, I would love to, to reach out to you and, and I look forward to meeting you. Also, for those of you who are local, uh, we would love to see you in in in-person worship. You can get all the details about in-person worship on our website, but I know that online worship is great in a lot of ways. I know it's super convenient, but there's just no substitute for gathering in the same room at the same time with other believers, for for being a part of the the community in worshiping uh, together. So I hope that we'll see you in in in-person worship sometime soon. Uh, Also in the description here, you'll see a link to our latest news and announcements and updates. Uh, and ways for you to uh, just take that next step as you're getting more involved with Kindred Church. Well, friends, with that, I hope you have a great week, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Listeners, this free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.